Welcome back to Tambellini's Top of Mind podcast. I'm really excited today to speak with Dr. Mordecai Brownlee, the Vice President for Student Success at St. Philip's College. And he's here with us to discuss experiential learning and its importance to workforce development. Dr. Brownlee, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, Caitlin, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. This topic is near and dear to my heart. I spend a lot of my time thinking about how can we help college students enter the workforce and where are the gaps? And I'm really looking forward to learning from you today. First, just hearing how you personally define and how the industry defines experiential learning so we can set the stage for the conversation. Sure, so I will tell you, you, you know, who I credit, who I credit and the industry credits with uh, doing an amazing job of setting the foundation on which uh, experiential learning sits on is Dr. David Culp. Uh, Dr. David Culp has done some outstanding work in terms of, of, of advancing this concept of experiential learning. And, and simply put, it, it, it is the idea that through experiential learning, it, it's quite simply learning by doing. It is, it is putting students in an, in an opportunity, giving them an opportunity, a situation to where they can work out theoretical aspects of the curriculum in a hands-on experience. And that can be done through course focus, uh, through community focus, through work focused uh, opportunities, but it is giving the exposures to hands-on learning and it has learning outcomes associated with it. So it's more than just saying, okay, I've now had this hands-on, if you will, experience. What did you learn from that experience? What can we take from that experience to advance the uh, framework to advance the curricular aspect of the, the learning experience and the outcome? What are some examples of experiential learning opportunities? Sure. So, you know, one of the, the ones that I would, I don't want to use the term easiest, but it's certainly more efficient that I have seen has been the course focused uh, experiential learning. Uh, we would see this more in health sciences, uh, where uh, understanding that students have a practicum experience in which they take what they have now learned from the textbook and they're now applying it in real world situations. And so it, it gives substance but it also is an opportunity for refinement for the student themselves to determine, yes, this is actually what I see myself doing in the field, what I had hoped the learning experience would be and what my workforce um, pathway would be. Uh, the other opportunities there is community focus. Uh, this is built on either service learning opportunities or what some would call volunteer opportunities. I did several of these in, in high school and they helped refine for me what was going to be my career pathway in education of assisting uh, some of the youth in, in terms of their preparedness in, in some key areas of, of mentorship, peer mentorship. Um, and so it gave me some great exposures and understanding, yes, I like working with students and, and, and helping them to understand essentially the life that is ahead of them and some very difficult situations that they may be experiencing. So that worked for me. Other opportunities work, uh, work focused. And so we see these in internships, externships, uh, 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 temporary job placement opportunities. So that tends to be the three uh, pillars, if you will, course focus, community focus, work focus, in which students are able to gain these experiential learning experiences. And again, I'll stress, 
it has learning outcomes associated with it. So they're able to reflect either through reflections themselves or by capstone assignments or assignments essentially that is able to showcase what they have learned out in the field and apply that to their curricular, uh, curricular experience. Is experiential learning important at any stage of your learning journey? So for instance, you know, if you're an adult learner, does it change if you're going back to school mid-career versus being a, you know, a first-time freshman and you're 18? You know, that's a great question. I, I would say for no matter where a student may be on the spectrum of life, of age, uh, it, uh, experiential learning is extremely relevant. And I, I, I dare say that it is, it, it truly, as we move forward into this next realm of industry, of workforce development, of society, it is, it is, it should be required, to be quite honest, for a number of reasons. And so I would say for, especially for that first time in college, incoming freshmen, so many of our, our students, our youth are not exposed to many of these career pathways that society will demand of them moving forward into the next 20 to 30 years, uh, certainly 40 years and beyond. And so as we look at them being productive citizens for years to come, and depending upon their community, uh, the implications thereof from an economic standpoint, we know that we're now dealing with an opportunity for career exposure. And so by having opportunities for our youth to be exposed through experiential learning of these opportunities, it opens up a whole world for them in terms of exposure, opportunities that they didn't realize were present. Uh, because so many times our youth are essentially, are, are, I won't say victims, but victims of their environments. And, and if they have a great environment, then they may have great exposures. If they have a poor environment, not just economically, but in terms of quality, then that is essentially the pathway that they've been exposed to. So there isn't much exposure to other facets of industry. And so experiential learning provides that. But if you're on the other side of the, uh, the, the age spectrum, learning spectrum, you know, perhaps you've had some degrees, maybe even uh, advanced degrees. As industry shifts by the hour, uh, there is new technology that is that is hitting hitting a society, hitting uh, the workforce that our uh, workforce, our working and able workforce need to be exposed to. And experiential learning creates that pathway. And so learning the newest technologies, learning the newest efficiencies and the newest expansions and what that looks like from a globalization standpoint is key. And experiential learning provides that. And you are a vice president of, of student success and Clearly, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this in terms of how does this fit into student success and engagement? And can you share with us some of your philosophy about, you know, why is it important in particular to student success? And also per perhaps even this, this line of student engagement, right? You know, I'm, I'm curious if you see, if you include experiential learning as part of a curriculum, if student engagement increases. Yeah. So the student success in itself is, is, I would say it's a revolutionary term that's really caught on in higher education over the past 10 years. Um, the, the reality is, is that all students should be driven towards success in all facets of their academic learning experience, student support experience. So my focus here for St. Phillips College, uh, which by the way, uh, St. Phillips College is celebrating 122 years of existence. Uh, we are the only a historical black college that is a community college that is a Hispanic serving institution in the nation. We take great pride in that. Over 13,500 students uh, and multi-campus comprehensive institution that has about roughly a 30% portfolio of workforce development. What I would say when we talk about student success, 
It is understanding that an infrastructure must be built, developed for the student to not only have an ease onboarding, uh, to have a continuous understanding of their own personal mission and the why behind why they are coming to our college, why they are engaging with us, especially in times of hardship, to why to want to continue through their academic pathway to this career pathway. Uh, but it's, it's also that celebratory piece of once you make it to the workforce, uh, how we continue to support you from here on out. So student success encompasses the entire uh, workflow, if you will, of a student, the entire life cycle of a student here at St. Phillips College. Now, with that said, in terms of student engagement, uh, certainly over the past several years that there has been a revolution, I'll continue to use that word, in how we as educators look at how we support our students inside the classroom and understanding that that support should come from a holistic standpoint, our ability to be able to support that student in and out of the classroom and ensure that there is a seamless, integrated approach to advancing what's happening inside the classroom, outside the classroom. And that's where experiential learning comes in. So a, a significant part of what we do uh, within the Student Success Division is finding opportunities. It can be as simple as clubs and organizations. But there's also that gamut of, that I talked about with the community focus and the work focus, where we're right there on the front lines, meeting with the students, getting a sense of where they want where they want to go in life, supporting them in that mission, and wanting to gain help them in gaining those exposures and ultimately landing that job opportunity for them. Because here in San Antonio, one of the realities many people don't know this, so I'll say this: San Antonio is the most impoverished metropolitan city in the United States. About three, four years ago, we surpassed Detroit uh, on that metrics. And so we understand that our number one enemy is poverty. So the exposures that we can gain, provide students, they can gain that knowledge, that skill set, those exposures that they're not necessarily receiving within their communities and take them and their families out of poverty forever. So we understand that we're in the business of changing lives. And a lot of that is done through experiential learning. A minute ago, you brought up technology, but we didn't dig in there. So I'd like to go back to what is the role of technology in experiential learning? How can it enable that? You know, as we talk about workforce development, as we talk about the gaps uh, that is that is currently being experienced, but certainly is, is, is slated to just be exacerbated over the next five to 10 years, as we look at some of these high skill, high demand uh, opportunities in the workforce that are heavily technology driven, um, technological driven. And, and, and so the question really becomes then is how can we within higher education give our students the proper exposures through technology means? COVID-19 has certainly been one of those accelerators that has forced the, the, the sector of higher education, education as a whole to understand more than ever the importance of technology and how to close that gap. But it's also shown us another gap present, uh, which is the digital divide, roughly 21 million Americans uh, have been impacted by that in a number of ways, whether that be through access or just lack of preparedness and having the basic infrastructure in place. But but as we talk about technology and workforce preparedness, it's huge. Depending upon where we are in the country, here in the United States, roughly a 40 to 80 percent gap is slated to occur in some of these high-wage, high-demand positions that are driven through technology and, and the understanding of and the advancements of. So as we prepare our newest workforce to advance this country and certainly the world from a global scale, technology is, is, is key. Those exposures, the, the ability to have access to, 
And and, uh, and and that's where I will say higher education and education as a whole really has a responsibility to understand the role that we play in closing the gap in the digital divide, closing the poverty gap through access of education and workforce preparedness. You mentioned that you've seen impacts of, of COVID. In, you know, I'm sure every institution in the country has been seeing significant impacts, including this being forced to develop and adopt new technologies. How do you think it's impacted the ability of institutions to provide experiential learning? I mean, has it just forced everything to go online or have some of these initiatives stopped? Yeah, you know, great question. What I will tell you what I have personally witnessed um, and here at St. Philip's College, you know, when COVID-19 first uh, breached our, our community back in March, you know, Everything, everything uh, was was on halt there for about a, a, about two weeks because I think about when this happened. It was around spring break time for us uh, in many parts of the country, but we we halted there for two weeks just to to number one dial in our infrastructure and expand our on, our, our online capabilities, our remote capabilities to serve students in the midst of this crisis, in the midst of this pandemic. But then we had to work with our accrediting bodies to understand. What is what is COVID-19? How can we continue for our students that are in key high wage, high demand need areas in terms of health sciences? Think about welding, uh, thinking about these these various uh, opportunities that are out there for our communities. And there is a need. How can we continue these students on their academic pathway? So what we've been able to do now is to still provide certainly uh, implementing the measures for safety and wellness of our faculty, staff and students but able to still deliver those workforce CTE driven courses, career and technical education courses through our accrediting bodies uh, in a safe manner. That still is in place. And so there are several technical community colleges around the nation that have followed suit as well. They too offered at a reduced capacity within the lab space within the classroom, but they're still providing that experiential experience, those, those external campus opportunities for development for those uh, entities that are prepared to support our students by those means. However, it has certainly been done at a reduced scale. Now, what I have also seen is those that are not in the career and te technical education space have continued to offer their courses through remote means. However, now that we talk about that experiential learning piece for those instructional areas, it gets a bit interesting because depending upon their academic pathway, then essentially determines what is feasible and available to them in the midst this pandemic. And again, there has been some significant impacts in that area. But as we progress through COVID-19 and we recover as a country and certainly as a, as a, as a world, uh, those opportunities will then make themselves available again and we'll be ready to serve students accordingly. And it's interesting. I talk to a lot of students who are getting cybersecurity degrees and I've heard that getting internships, for instance, right now has been very difficult. Yeah for instance, right? And I, that's part of this, you know, under the umbrella of experiential learning, that finding an internship has been much harder than it might have been pre-COVID. And then the, the job market has significantly shifted, even if it's a shift just in terms of time frame, you know, time to hire, but it's created some deep anxiety, I think, in, in people who are getting ready to graduate or who maybe have just recently graduated um, who are looking for jobs. And I can 
I can see how there could be, you know, a pretty big shift here and it could be an ongoing systemic shift in, in the job market, even for, as you mentioned, these high wage, high demand industries I mean, cybersecurity is one of those, but we're still seeing delays. We're still seeing like lack of, of hands-on learning experiences. And it's, it's really unfortunate. And I'm wondering if it's impacting uh, disadvantaged groups differently or more heavily in particular. You know, absolutely, because in a large part of that just comes down to economics and location, right? As you think about some of these more impoverished communities, um, you know, you, we're dealing with a lack of economic infrastructure in some of these cases where there isn't large business and industry or a vast portfolio of business and industry available to do that work. So of those that are available, it, it tends to be at a lesser scale. And because of that reduced scale, you're now dealing with a situation where all students can't necessarily be served in the same manner. Um, and, and, and so, yes, to answer that question, absolutely. What I would also say to the students who have been impacted in areas like cybersecurity, you know, uh, remain encouraged. Uh, we will come out from under this pandemic. And uh, my prayer certainly is that we, uh, even with all loss uh, from, from, from family standpoint, from economic standpoint, that we come out even better somehow. Uh, but we're, we're all fighters and we, we'll all make it through this time. But also understanding the importance of transferable skill set is another thing that I think certainly, uh, I believe Generation X began to be exposed to this reality. Certainly as we look at millennials um, and, and, and being entrenched in the workforce at this point, but now we're talking about Generation Z and, the, and, and that generation being out in the workforce. One of those realities that has certainly be, been impacted through millennials, through Generation uh, Z, I should say, I said X, but Z, uh, is the reality that market shift has been abundant and will continue to be abundant. And so that lack of stabilization uh, will become a norm mm -hmm. and, until we reach this point of normalization, whenever we reach that point of stabilization. In the midst of this period, I would say, then for my millennials, for our Generation Z, is transferable skill sets. And yeah. depending upon where you are in the market, where you are from a, from a location standpoint, be prepared to pivot accordingly and have that be the focus. I think it's part of now why here in education, we now approach um, uh, you know, the student pathway now with a met, meta major standpoint. It's you know, where's your area of interest rather than trying to peg you into a major? Because the reality is, is too, too often we get so focused and bogged down on the black and white, this is what I've been trained to do. This is only what I can do. And the market is telling us something different of saying, what else can you do? Mm -hmm. So if we can prepare students for the what else and understand what happens from a transferable skill set and be prepared for that reality, then I think we will help assist our students and our workforce with pivoting accordingly in this ever-changing market. I've been thinking about it as we've been talking about this idea of you know, workforce initiatives in particular, and how important, you know, even more important that becomes over time. It's funny, as we talk about millennials, everyone's, I think, still has it in their head, millennials are so young, but you know, the, the early <laughs> millennials are almost 40, right. right, at this point, you know, and it's, it's really the, the new generation, it really is these Generation Z and the generation behind, uh, behind them that, that we, that are, I think, going to end up driving a lot of demanding changes in their educational experiences. And we're already starting to see some of those things. We're already starting to see 
that generation say, you know, why would they need a, a four-year degree? They just want to get a very hyper-focused skill set and go to work, right? Why do they want to take on all of this college debt? And it's a very different mindset and expectation. And I, I believe that that also drives this idea of, well, how are we serving them from a workforce initiative perspective? So how do you see, as we look forward, how do you think that experiential learning opportunities are, might change and, and might even differently impact workforce initiatives? You know, I think with technology and the infusion of technology, I think that you will, we will continue to see more efficiencies, right? One of the things I think that has happened and will continue to happen, especially in the higher education space, is higher education taking a look at its use of facilities, okay? Um, and and as this, this call of auditing, if you will, that's taking place from a, from a facility standpoint, part of the charge then becomes the institutions in terms of delivering the best return on investment to our uh, taxpayers in the states as, as a whole, is, is how can we deliver this instruction in a means uh, that is most efficient, that is in total integration with the workforce demands and needs, uh, and, and has a less utilization on facilities and more integration of technologies. And I think that we will see this expansion continue uh, in areas of workforce development and key career and technical education uh, areas and arenas. I'll use welding as an example. There's some states out there uh, that have, have now worked in partnership with industry to develop these simulation labs in a means in which it has not been happening before. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there, there's a cost factor associated with these um, hard uh, tool you know, expansions of, of, of lab spaces. I mean, you're getting into the tens of thousands, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars to outfit these facilities. However, how can we do so more efficiently because depending in this pandemic taught it, uh, taught, taught this, this lesson to us, how can we take those resources and be able to pivot accordingly and it not be so hard bound to a particular location because those labs are tied to locations. But if I can't get to that location, now all of a sudden my, my learning experience is now taking a hit. Well, what does that look like to create some expansive simulation opportunities and to be able to provide those perhaps in, in the privacy of your own home? Right. So now we're revolutionizing the learning experience in itself, which then enables our 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 workforce to be able to pivot accordingly and be more relevant in the market. Uh, And so I think that we will continue to see this expansion. We'll continue to see this evolution. Um, And I think career and technical education is on the forefront of this evolution and the need of it because the gap in the need is going to be that high, that strong as we progress through time to backfill the retirement uh, of, of so many of these individuals that's been in these key positions. I agree with you. And I really appreciate you sharing your, your thoughts and your wisdom with us today. Thank you so much for coming on the Top of Mind podcast. It's been an absolute honor to be here, Caitlin. And thank you again for the opportunity. That concludes this episode of Top of Mind. Join us next month for a new topic. And as always, check out all of Tamblini's resources, including our blogs, our YouTube videos, and our member-only resources at thetamblinigroup.com. Thank you so much.